Super Bowl week is here, and so are we to dig for betting edges from every possible angle. Chris, as a pro better, what's your game plan between now and kickoff? Just try to make it there. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, just try to uh, absorb as much stuff as we possibly can and to make myself aware of as much as I can. Um, I uh, actually uh, spent a lot of time this morning when I woke up early looking through the apps to look at the Super Bowl props. And let me just tell everybody, if you haven't done it yet, start doing it now because you need to familiarize yourself with how to navigate through these apps. It's a nightmare. Uh, everything's in different orders, uh, different places, categorize things differently. And uh, it's, it's, it's difficult uh, if you're uh, shopping around. So uh, just something to consider. And it can be, you got to pay attention to the wording. Some, you may not see wording. You might have to inquire about wording. And uh, uh, it, it's a real task. And it's important to familiarize yourself because it's way too overwhelming. I mean, you just have to like, you know, run through this stuff, familiarize yourself uh, as much as possible so that you're more comfortable with it and not doing it, you know, at the last minute. Yeah, when you say you started doing that early this morning, I could easily see that becoming an all-day endeavor if you don't have a good plan set before you. So it's kind of reassuring to know that even for pro bettors, that can be the case. But that said, Scott, I think for those willing to embrace the grind, there is plenty of value to be had out there. So what's your betting approach over these final few days before the Super Bowl finally kicks off on Sunday? Yeah, there's 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 tons of value because just think about it. You got three, four, five hundred props out there. Uh, especially when you start to mix and match different shops. And and, and BetUS has got uh, a ton of props as well. Uh, so there's options to be had there. So for me, um, you know, I've spent the last week and a half trying to analyze the game a little bit. Still, I'll still do more of that. I'll try to read anyone's opinion uh, that I greatly respect as well, because uh, they might have a slightly different take on the game that might cause me to just start looking at things a different way that I haven't looked at yet. Um, or confirm, or maybe, you know, I have to rethink some of the stuff I've ran as well. So I'll do a lot of that. And then, um, you know, being here in Nevada, a little bit different than being online, of course, but um, I'll spend Saturday going from casino to casino, just trying to look at all the different props. And I think, you know, Chris mentioned it, we've got all these apps, but the problem is with apps, um, the fine language isn't listed there. So uh, from a Nevada standpoint, you got to go get the sheets and, and read the fine language a little bit on anything. And obviously offshore is a little bit different. Um, but so I'll spend a lot of time on Saturday just going around, see if there's anything that I've missed. Because by that time, everything's been kind of laid out, um, if not already to a degree. And so maybe I'll find a prop that I didn't notice before that maybe has some value as well. You know, I'd like to add, uh, it's really important not to save things to the last minute. Every year you hear stories of websites crashing, apps crashing, uh, everybody's in there all at once. And uh, you don't want to get caught with your pants down not being able to get your wagers in in bogged down websites or, or, or non-functioning apps or websites. So keep that in mind. Yeah, well, from all the apps and the extensive prop menus, including the one over at BetUS, to the spread total and money line for the game itself, Plenty to get to, and as we make our way there, want to thank everybody who's joining us on YouTube today. Please take a quick moment to give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, you know the drill. And like last week's show, this is a great opportunity to jump in that chat and fire away with any questions. We can look to make this show as interactive as possible as we talk all things betting for Super Bowl 56. Guys, let's take a look at a full screen graphic for the YouTube audience showing the line for the game as we record this on Tuesday afternoon Pacific time. The Rams favored by four, laying a little extra vig. Money line of minus 200. Total still at 48 and a half. Chris, where do you see any of these numbers potentially moving over the next few days? Well, we, we spoke about it last week. If, uh, if you are looking to bet the Rams, um, you're going to probably find some pretty good value on game day because the public likes to take the underdog money line uh, and that will drag that price down and make a better price for the Rams. Uh, if you like Cincinnati and you like them on the money line, uh, you're going to want to grab that now because that's going to come down. 
in my opinion. Uh, as far as the point spread goes, it, it's going to hover right where it is, I'm pretty sure. I don't think we're going to see any major movement on it. I actually thought it might go a little bit higher. It's uh, four, four and a half. Uh, but uh, it seems like Cincinnati's getting a little bit of play. Uh, over the last 24 hours, I'm hearing from, uh, you know, out of the corners of my ears. So uh, I think four is probably the number. The money line should come down. And as far as the total goes, that that's probably going to inch up a little bit, but not any major movement. Scott, one of the factors that could inform some of the movement that we may see these next few days, a couple of injuries to tight ends for both teams. We touched on it briefly last week, but now we have a bit of an update. So what's your outlook as far as the injury situation is concerned for both the Rams and the Bengals? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anything on Tyler Higby that indicates he's going to play. It doesn't mean he won't play. Uh, Friday, I guess, will give us a better indication with the final uh, injury designations. But it looks like Cincinnati's tight end is going to play, uh, or at least he said, I'm not missing a Super Bowl. So we'll see, A, if he plays. B, we'll see how effective he is. That's that's always a, another thing that we've got to question and, and pay attention to. But I, I said it last week. I think Higby not playing is uh, more detrimental to the Rams than if uh, Uzama, Uzama didn't play, doesn't play although it looks like he's going to now. Um, just because, you know, Higby's probably their third option at receiver after Beckham and um, Cup, and he's been a pretty important option for them, where Uzama is, you know, maybe he's the fourth guy. I still think he's pretty important to Cincinnati and, and, and being in there, but I don't think he's quite as, a, as important as Higby. So I think this is a little bit of a benefit to Cincinnati from that standpoint. They've got other issues they got to worry about. We'll get to that, but... Um, I think this is a little bit of a uh, positive for Cincinnati, a little bit of a negative for the Rams, if it holds true, where one gets their tight end back and one doesn't. When you talk about a positive for Cincinnati and a negative for the Rams on that sense, how much of a factor has that played And you going ahead and pulling the trigger, getting involved on the side for the Super Bowl? I would have played Cincinnati either way in this one, um, but obviously it, it gives a little bit more value, I think, to Cincinnati. But um, like... If I didn't have enough value with or without uh, these players, I would not be playing Cincinnati. I, I had value beforehand, but now um, it gives me a little bit more value towards Cincinnati as well. And part of that has to do with um, something you've pulled as far as numbers go for historical seeds to make the Super Bowl, as well as a trend involving conference championship underdogs. So why don't you tell us about that as well? Yeah, so I, first of all, let's just be honest here. In my mind, at least there's got to be value. So if, if there, what I'm about to say, if there wasn't value on Cincinnati already, this would not get me enough to play it, but I do like it. So last year when Tampa Bay and Kansas city played, I started looking at it. I played Tampa Bay last year. Uh, and the caveat in that game was if uh, Tampa Bay could put some pressure on Kansas city and Patrick Mahomes, I felt they had an outstanding chance to cover that game and win the game. Uh, because last year when they were getting pressure, they were protecting their secondary, which was average at best. Uh, and when they weren't getting pressure, they were kind of get burned in the secondary. So that was a, a big part of that. And we knew Kansas City was going in with uh, a depleted offensive line. So I started looking at it, and Tampa Bay last year was, I don't know, the fourth or fifth seed. I, I didn't realize this, but uh, going back over a number of years, the number four seed or later when they've gotten to the Super Bowl after last year's win with Tampa Bay, they're now 7-1 straight up in those games. In many of those games, they defeated number one seeds. And even though they were number four or five seed, there can be a, a thousand reasons why they were a lower seed. But regardless, if you get to the Super Bowl, you have beaten some pretty good teams, which means you're playing well. You probably haven't completely got lucky in that. Now, this year, I can't really use that because both these teams are number four seeds. But I went back and looked, and um, I noticed that teams who advanced to the Super Bowl with a win as a dog in their conference championship game, so that's Cincinnati here, they're now 13-0-1 against the spread in the Super Bowl since 2000, as long as they're not facing another team that did the same thing. Um, and 10-0-1 against the spread as a dog. And there was something else I used to follow many, many, many years ago um, that kind of trailed off, but part of it seemed to apply here, where the Rams are advancing to the Super Bowl, but they didn't cover. So they weren't dominant in their win. Um, and so I kind of just started to look back at those teams when they're now favored in the Super Bowl. They couldn't cover last game and win by enough margin to at least cover. 
So I went back and looked, and Super Bowl teams who didn't cover the conference championship game and are now favored in the Super Bowl are 1-6-1 against the spread. So there is some indication here that what Cincinnati is doing possibly could carry over. And we go back and look, and the only team that that's a decent team that the Rams have defeated this year was really Arizona, who we know by the end uh, was a shell of what they were earlier on. And Cincinnati's really only lost two games this year to Cleveland early in the probably midway through the year and um, to the Chargers uh, badly. But every other game they've lost by three points or less, take out the last game of the season where a lot of the guys didn't play. So they've been competitive in the majority of these games uh, that they've been a dog. I just think four, four and a half points, uh, you know, whatever you can get. If you, if you haven't bet it yet and you want Cincinnati, I'd wait and see if four and a half pops up. I don't think it's going down. Um, and uh, obviously, if you can get a four and a half, great. But it's just, to me, it's a lot of points. I'll say on a neutral field, uh, obviously, it's the Rams home turf. But um, I just think it's a lot of points. The, the one concern here is the offensive line for Cincinnati is not good. They could get overwhelmed in this game. And that could very much be problematic. And if they lose a the game, it's going to be probably because of that. They don't cover. But I'm going to take my chances with Cincinnati. Something I've said a few times throughout the course of the year, kind of a fitting way to wrap it up. I'm looking the other way on one hand, but not necessarily going head-to-head -head with you, Scott. One of the biggest stats I've come across in the past week that summarizes my thoughts on the Bengals' ride to get to the Super Bowl three straight games they've won in these playoffs where they've had an interception in either the final minute of regulation or an overtime. In addition to that, last week, Chris talked about this being a fairly low variance game with this matchup. And Scott, you touched on the matchup in the trenches. You just brought it up again here. So if anything, I'm going to wait. Chris touched on possible movement we could see as far as the money lines related to the favorite. If the Rams hit minus 180, that's my look to get in play here. I'm not sure we'll see it. I'm not holding my breath. But if I don't get involved in the money line points better total, plenty of props we'll get to shortly as well. So Rams money line minus 180 if we see that price. My look at this game. But Chris, it seems like you're seeing this one fairly eye to eye with Scott. Yeah, I am. And I think you you'll, you'll, you might even see a 175 on this uh, someplace. Uh, but to, to expand on what Scott said, um, the, the team that has the lower win percentage is 14 and 1 against the spread in this game. And then I had slightly different numbers. I had a conference dog of three or more was 11, three and one. So a little, little twist because uh, you had it a little bit differently, but uh, you bring up the offensive line and we saw Cincinnati get shredded against Tennessee. And what did they do the next day or the next game? They came back and they made the adjustments and uh, they did something better and they got away with it. And let's not forget Kansas city. They're not junk. That defensive line was good. It's not like they 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 held their own against a mediocre defensive line. It's a, you know one of the better defensive lines. So, you know that's a feather in their cap. Uh, I really like the fact that these guys have the experience. I mean, you know, as as generations grow older and the younger generation has different perspectives. You know, when you know Scott and I, you know, were around back in our youth. You know, TV was a big deal. You know, oh, somebody got on TV. You know, three this channels, generation, three channels. Yeah, was there color? This generation back then? doesn't care about this stuff, and they take a, they take things a little bit more in stride. You know, life comes at them a lot harder and a lot faster. So, you know, these guys have demonstrated in national national championship games and in other championship games, they're there. They, they they're making it through. And I'm not saying that their performances in the playoffs has been out of sight, but hey, they got through, and uh, that's impressive. I like the way Burrow is so confident, but it never comes off cocky. This guy is something special. He's something different. And with him in the game, and with as many games, as Scott mentioned, that are one-score games, anything can happen, I think this is going to be one of the very few Super Bowls that the point spread may come into play because I, I don't remember the exact number, it's, it's next to none of these games have ended where the dog covered, but the favorite won. So it's usually, uh, uh, the you know, whoever wins, it just ignore the spread. So uh, with Scott, I'm, I haven't played the game yet, but I, th I think I'm going to come in on Cincinnati. Uh, uh, as Scott mentioned, you got to do the four and a half or at least wait around and try for it. And 
you know, other options if you're Cincinnati better uh, is possibly looking at taking Joe Burrow MVP because it's pretty unlikely that they're going to give the MVP uh, to anybody else but Burrow. Now, there is a chance, but you get paid significantly more on a Burrow MVP uh, opposed to uh, what you're going to get on the Cincinnati money line. So uh, just something to consider there. But uh, I'll probably lean toward the uh, a little bit of both or probably a little bit of all three uh, where I take a little money line, take a little Burrow, and take the majority of the point spread. Uh, I, I don't know. I got an uneasy feeling that the point spread may come into play. But uh, so that's where I'm kind of leaning. I, I'm not doing anything with the total. I, I can see. I, I think I, I've got respected people that tell me that this thing's this game's going to start off slow. And then you got other people telling me the different. You know, it's going to be different. I got a funny feeling. Cincinnati's got the confidence. Uh, to, to really be aggressive. And I think the Rams know that they need to be aggressive. So they may just surprise us. And instead of one of these boring start Super Bowls, we may see some action out of the gate. Might be wrong, but uh, I'm kind of leaning that direction. We've got Joe Burrow plus 225 to win the MVP at BetUS, to your point. So that's one way to look at it, possibly worth part of the portfolio if you're looking to get some exposure on the Bengals. And Chris, I like your point about acknowledging that the spread may well come into play here. I think the stat that I've heard the most is in Super Bowls with spreads of less than six, or maybe it's six points or less, no team to win the game outright has failed to cover. So there's a chance here, again, that could continue. But at the same time, you know, four, four and a half, that leaves some pretty meaningful numbers on the table for the losing team to cover the spread. And we're also working with a small sample in Super Bowls. So I know that this is such a big game that gets so much attention every year. But I think your point, Chris, is pretty important because if this were, you know, a regular season sequence, we'd be looking at just a few weeks worth of game action where maybe outright winners are covering at a pretty high clip. But is that really telling us anything predictive moving forward? So that's where I feel confident, even though for show purposes, we will lock in Chris and Scott on the Bengals plus four. I'm looking the other way. Rams on the money line at minus 180 or better if and when we see it. But there's plenty of room for all three of us to go home happy. Any final thoughts, guys, on the game? Are you ready to talk some props? I, well, I, if I was a Rams better, I would certainly be taking the money line and I'd be waiting until Sunday. So I, I don't want to be laying four. Uh, just look at these playoffs and how many games are landing on three. It, it just it, it isn't worth it. Uh, in my opinion, I, I definitely play and you get a bargain, you get a bargain price. So uh, I predict that you might be able to find as low as 180, 175 uh, in faraway places, uh, you know, mid Sunday afternoon. All right. I will keep my eyes peeled. And on that note, there are plenty of props that we don't need to keep our eyes peeled for any longer. We can go ahead and get them in play. And for anybody who may have missed last week's show, we did an early look at some strategy as well as a few early bets, but plenty that we'll get to over the remainder of this show. Chris, to set the stage, kind of weaving back in your initial remarks on this show, tell us a bit about your process shopping for props lately and really what you're using as more of a process of elimination to give yourself a cleaner mindset with the bets that you do want to consider. You know, well, I, I touched base again with how I opened, and it, it's it's overwhelming. It really is. I I've, I had some uh, uh, family stuff to do this weekend and took uh, some time off, and, and when I dove back in, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is a lot of stuff. So uh, usually I'm not as widespread on the props as I am going to be this year. I, I'm usually focusing on the alternate lines. Uh, and what I'm looking for with alternate lines is trying to get free stuff, you know, and uh, it, it involves shopping around. It involves, a, you know, hard work and concentration, but you can get a lot of free stuff, you, you, you know, where one line is this over here and one line, you, you know, you may be laying minus 250 or minus 300 on a bet over here, but you might be able to get a half point less plus the 250 or plus the 300 someplace. So, uh, but that's the same way it is with all props. Uh, you really want to kind of search out and try to get free stuff. That's a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, that's what I'm focusing on at this point is just kind of absorbing. And, 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 and as Scott mentioned, you just listen, see what makes sense. And 
and you know you don't jump into everything you know the important thing everybody has to remember is have fun with this you know don't dive in too deep don't get in over your head there's there's i may not bet the super bowl uh uh, very much at all for the side or, or total. I may, you know, I don't know, but I, I do like that side. You don't have to do anything. The game is fun. Buy some Super Bowl squares or something. Uh, just make sure that you're just having fun with it, and whatever you do is not impulse. You don't want to be buying that gum at the checkout line and just throwing stuff in at the last minute. Yeah, I think that one way that I would summarize that in general, looking toward binary options for every additional option on a prop menu, it seems like we're often going to be paying extra VIG as betters. So a lot of yes, no's over unders, you know, which team will do something first, the Rams or the Bengals, those types of prop bets with two outcomes usually bake in less VIG than a lot where maybe you're guessing the final score of the game or, you know, the MVP market's a lot of fun. But those needle in a haystack bets often charging a bit of an extra tax when you look for a plus payout. Something like 50 to 1 might look really good on a prop menu, but oftentimes when a book's offering 50 to 1, the true probability might be closer to something like 100 to 1. Does that make sense based on your guys' experience? Well, I, you know what? I, 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 I actually, like, I, I was looking at some of these offerings this morning, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, there there is some stuff that you have to absolutely avoid, and that is, you know, some of these exact scores. Will a game finish on three or seven or ten? There's other ways to get that number uh, with better odds uh, than to take those at those prices that are listed. The, the odds that I saw, uh, and and I didn't uh, uh, check what we have with the Bet US site. But uh, I, I saw some some lines that were just preposterous. I mean, just literally preposterous, highway robbery. So um, it, it, just be leery of the the you think something may pay a lot of money, and those bets that pay a lot of money, they're usually supposed to be paying a fair amount more. So just be aware of that type of stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think a lot of those are you know like index uh, index props where. Right exactly how many points will each team score and you know you and i don't even know if this is the right example but you know a few years ago when the rams lost 13 to 3 they only scored three points and then you you see in the headline somewhere someone picked three you know and and even though it's a common number no one expects you to only score three and so uh you know the odds on that were were decent uh in terms of just envisioning a return in your mind and so people see that so then they they tend to bet that like you said and and look, people always want a lot for a little bit of their money. That's what's intriguing. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a big part of what prop bets are a lot of times. And like you said, generally speaking, that's not good value. And quite frankly, when you're laying minus 200 on some of this stuff, it's probably a better shot than, uh, you know, taking plus 170 or something. So um, obviously it depends on, on each prop. But yeah, I think those index props, that is a needle in a haystack. And um, uh, I would just stay away from that stuff. You know, it's kind of funny because people would always, uh, during the, in between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, people would always assume I was always very busy. And uh, my partner Frank and I, uh, we would be twiddling our thumbs until Friday, Saturday before the Super Bowl. We weren't doing anything <laughs> because what we do is we wait for everybody to take all those plus money propositions. And we let those numbers go down and down and down. And once, you know, late Friday or even Saturday mornings, uh, I remember I didn't even start one year until like afternoon Saturday, the first look at anything. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm looking for is laying the price. I want to lay the price. Give me value laying big numbers, uh, whether it be safeties or overtimes or uh, alternate uh, lines. Uh, there's a variety of different things, but I'm looking, uh, those are what I'm focusing on uh, intentionally because I damn well know 90% of the people betting have already take, extracted all the value out of the plus money propositions. Sounds like a fair assumption that Chris might be still polishing off a few bottles of Jim Beam over the next few days before <laughs> getting really involved over the weekend. And Chris, let's bring that mantra, hurry up and wait, Full circle from all the times you mentioned it early in the season and even in our divisional previews. When it comes to what you're going to be waiting for and laying the VIG, I'll briefly add that one of my favorite ways to attack the Super Bowl, aligning with what you mentioned, 
value and big plus money payouts not necessarily being the same thing. It's fun to risk five or 10 bucks for a possible huge return, but the true probability is probably doing you no favors. Sometimes, I mean, if you're laying, if you're able to find eight to one or nine to one on no safety or no overtime, it can take some intestinal fortitude to place that wager and lay that much big. But usually, I mean, if you just look at the percentage of games that have a safety or that go to overtime, especially with some recency bias, these playoffs, a lot of games going to overtime, getting decided late, bigger picture, the odds should probably be much different than they are. So you can find a lot of value laying big on the no. So Chris, when it comes to those props, no safety, no overtime, are there any specific prices you have in mind that you're looking for to possibly pull the trigger on Saturday or Sunday? You know, and I'm going to actually plead ignorance that I've forgotten what those numbers are. Uh, you know, obviously it's a it's a quick Google or, or uh, uh, hey, so-and-so, what's that number we need again? Uh, so... Uh, no, I don't have it in, in mind off the top of my head, but uh, because I'm, I'm focusing more on the lines because the lines are easier to manage and you can, you can just work different things into those situations. Got I think, it. Yeah, Scott, I'll usually look for like 10 to one or less. Does that align with your price range that might show some value? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. What was, yeah that's what I was going to say. Like 800, yeah, 900, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, I think we've seen as low as seven to one a few years ago. Uh, uh, maybe it was like six fifty to one. I think one year it got down to. I, you know, there was just actually just an article in the Las Vegas paper about that. Uh, I think it was down to, geez, like minus four hundred or something. And the guy was just he was just unloading. And of course he and you know he he hadn't even gone. He was placing one bet. So one of the uh, casino uh, sports books had said, hey. You got 30 minutes before the game time. We can give you another whatever, right? And he went over and bet it. And so it was so close to the game. He didn't even um, get back to where he wanted to go watch the game. And his buddy had already texted him and said, it's over, right? The, uh, on, on the no mm -hmm. safety, right? So, um, and, he, and his point there was like, I, I just don't bet those anymore now because even though they're good value and that was unbelievable value, minus 400 or minus 450, whatever it was, he goes, you just lose so much in the in the one occurrence that I'm not ahead lifetime now for that bet because of that. And it just freaked him out. Right. So um, even though it's good value, you know, you're either betting your same normal bet and winning just a fraction of what you would win or you're laying a whole bunch more to win, you know, maybe what you would normally win or anything in between there. And if it loses once, it it messes with your mind a little bit, too. You know, and it's also interesting, too, because. There have been times on Saturdays where you see some numbers that you're really excited about and you start taking some positions and some of the Super Bowls, oh, it just keeps on going and you were the sucker. Oh, you, you know, by Sunday morning, you're, you're like, boy, was I a moron. I, I mean, this, you know, I'm a kid in a candy factory here. It, it's not it, it's like how am I going to spend every single dollar I have and that I can borrow the best because I can spend unlimited amounts of money because some of these places get so buried in all these people taking the plus money propositions, they get pretty desperate sometimes to get some minus action. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there are props even like, uh, you know, a big public prop every year. And it's a lot of fun to root for over two and a half players to attempt to pass. Like if we were to see Cooper Cup or OBJ or Jamar Chase or Johnny Hecker attempt to pass on Sunday, that could be pretty cool. But it's still much less likely to happen than we might think. And I can even recall in past years, sometimes seeing a plus number on under two and a half players to attempt to pass. And that should pretty much never be the case, basically saying that it's more likely than not that a non-quarterback is going to attempt to pass. Um, but sometimes to your point, like if books just get really buried, they might get desperate. And if you know what to look for on Saturday and Sunday, once a lot of the recreational money starts to bury certain books, that's where we can find a lot of value. And beyond some of these game props, even a player prop that I'm keeping an eye out for, we haven't seen anything yet. Um, still looking at BetUS for a number on CJ Uzama, possibly some value on the under for receptions and receiving yards if and when we get confirmation that he's going to play. A lot of excitement about him now looking like a go. There was a video clip of him throwing his knee brace and trying to fire up a bunch of fans, I believe, I saw yesterday. But it's hard to believe after that injury two weeks ago in the AFC title game that he would be too close to 100%. So I feel like if the numbers, when they do hit the board for Uzama, are based in any way on his season-long stats, not really accounting for the fact that he's probably not at full strength, 
there could be some value there. So not even just game props. Sometimes the player props you want to look for later on as well, especially marquee players like a Cooper Cup. If you didn't bet the over early, that boat's already sailed. Probably either pass or take the under late. Well, and another thing to remember, too, is that season-long stats for teams and players don't correlate the same for a final single game. So uh, there, there are going to be stats that are priced properly uh, that are out of whack with how you would normally price them during a regular game purely because of strategy reasons and such. Yeah, we have a question that I can get to from the live Q&A. Oh, Scott, if you had anything else on that note, go ahead and I'll read the no, question. No, no, I was, I was just confirming that as well, Matt. You can do all your research in the world, but at the end of the day, it's just one game. And it's not like you've done this research, and now I'm going to bet this the next 47 times it happens, and I'm probably going to come out ahead. It's one game, one incident, basically, and, um, you know, a lot can happen. You know, hopefully everyone just realizes that. So you never, you never want to get too carried away, if nothing else, in regards to that. Yeah, good point. And uh, I'll, I'll get us to one of the questions from our live chat here asking if we look for coin toss props figuratively, not necessarily the coin flip, that have one side getting plus money. And Chris, this is a fun one I think we can discuss. I know we had talked about it a little bit before the show today, um, where I would say one of my favorite fun bets every year that I'd still do see a bit of an edge would be opening kickoff not to be a touchback. And for a little bit of context here, on a season-long basis, I think the stats can be misleading. About 60% of kickoffs league-wide go for touchbacks, and both of these teams are in that ballpark. But the Super Bowl can be a unique animal. I think player safety can take a backseat to field position in one game of this magnitude, so we're probably more likely to see high short kickoffs, especially as teams look to get field position in their favor from the get-go. And when kickoffs do sail into the end zone, returners are as hyped as they're ever going to be to try to make a big play. So I know the last couple years we've seen kickoffs returned from a few yards deep in the end zone. That's probably not happening in most other situations. And in the five Super Bowls since the touchback rule was changed to bring the ball out to the 25, we've seen this prop go 4-1 and one to no opening kickoff resulting in a touchback. The last four years it's cashed. The last two years, again, it has been returned from the end zone. One thing I've learned recently, and Pat, Mac Pat McAfee might be uh, blowing up my spot here. I think this might be the last year that plus money is ever available on this prop because he's talked about the ball is basically a brick when the opening kickoff is happening because it's basically fresh out of a box. It's not treated like the other kicking balls. And right after the kickoff, it's sent to the Hall of Fame in Canton. So a different ball. And we also have a 50-50 shot in this game that Matt Gay will be making the opening kickoff. And he seems like he might be injured. He came up short from 47 yards in the divisional round in Tampa, was way off from 50-plus last week. And if he's struggling from distance, that could show itself in the opening kickoff. Basically, I do view this as more of a coin flip bet than a 60-40 proposition the season-long stats would imply. I don't see a number yet at BetUS. That may be coming soon. But I know that the no for the first kickoff being a touchback has been getting steamed. There's still a little bit of plus money out there at some books. And I would say that that's a fun way to get in play, to have a game prop graded before the game's first play from scrimmage. How do you guys look at that opening kickoff prop? Well, yeah, you're exactly right. It's, it's, uh, you know, that's going to be the hot play. Over the next few days, everybody is informing everybody else that's never heard of this neat thing. So it'll get completely, uh, it'll get to the point where you can bet it back the other way. It, it's just going to get pounded. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make... Uh, probably mainstream uh, news tidbit type stories. Uh, you know, the panels, uh, the pregame shows will probably bring it up. And that'll just drive people to just bet that prop at any price and, and, and put it completely out of whack. So the value will actually, you know, come back to the other way. Yeah, it's quite possible. I think in previous years, it's been easy to get well north of two to one on the no. And now I'm just, uh, you know, scratching and clawing for any plus money I can get. And once we get past even money, can't see value on the no anymore. Scott, I think you were about to jump in as well. I was just going to say the Rams have uh, shown a tendency, especially the second half of the year. I think there's a prop out there about how many returns there will be. I don't know exactly mm -hmm. what the number is. Um, but the Rams have shown um, a, a, a good knowledge of, you know, and just analytics football where sometimes they've scored, had a penalty on the other team. So now they're kicking from the 50 and they'll kick it short down to the five yard line and force a return uh, rather than what we see with a lot of teams. They just kick it out of the end zone and stuff. So 
Um, I think, you know, where it's appropriate, they will take advantage of that as well. You might get end up getting an extra return, uh, you know, possibly just, just because of that too. If you're just looking at, you know, some of those props that are around kickoff returns as well. Yeah, good point. And Brian, thank you for that question in the live chat. There's one player prop I wanted to be sure to touch on with you guys as well before we can talk some more game props. Um, not just waiting on CJ Uzama numbers to hit the board, but Van Jefferson under two and a half receptions is a bet that I have made recently. I'm still seeing that minus 135 at BetUS right now. And I like that. I still see a little bit of wiggle room as long as somebody can get minus 140 or better. Jefferson dealing with a knee injury, and it's not like Cam Akers with a shoulder injury that sidelined him for part of the NFC title game. He's looking to be more or less a full go for the Super Bowl. But a receiver with a knee injury, um, unless it's really minor, that's tough to recover fully from in less than two weeks. Of course, we've seen OBJ continue to take on a bigger role in the Rams passing game. And we saw Blanton come in for Higby. So even if Higby misses time, it's not like his targets necessarily get redistributed to a guy like Van Jefferson. So I'm liking Jefferson under two and a half receptions, good at minus 140 or less. That current price at BetUS is minus 135. Any thoughts from either of you guys as far as that prop is concerned? Yeah, I'd, I'd be looking at the uh, over 16 and a half uh, for uh, uh, longest, uh, it would be the long, yeah, Van Jefferson long over 16 and a half because he's going to get kind of ignored a little bit potentially, and he's going to be found, I, you know, out in the middle of nowhere at some point. So uh, he may be the type of guy that can make uh, his one and only catch a big play. Yeah, Chris, if you've already bet that, it sounds like you've got some followers in the marketplace because at BetUS right now, I'm seeing Jefferson's longest reception, uh, a flat minus 115 at 17 and a half. Okay. But, you know, still, still a pretty good angle there because even if he only gets two catches, usually if they do go to him, he might be getting a good ways downfield. Yeah, I would just, and I, you know, I haven't looked at Van Jefferson a lot yet, um, but just kind of thinking about game script here, and, and obviously I'm on Cincinnati, but um, if the Rams can get a lead, they're probably going to run the ball some. They like, uh, they can run the ball on Cincinnati's defense, I think. Um, that could eat some clock. And if the Rams are ahead in this game, then, then I like your shot probably even that much more, uh, Matt, because, you know, they, they've time and time again shown, They'll run the ball, eat clock. Um, the other thing, Cincinnati, from time to time, is a slow possession type team. So if they eat clock just in their drives, you could squeeze this thing down, uh, you know, from just a, a number of plays that are available as well. Obviously, if the Rams fall behind and behind and they got to throw a lot, you know, that that's a different story, you know, depending on how healthy he is. But um, if this game is going according to script and they're the favorite, so in theory, uh, you know, they could be out in front. Um he may just have reduced opportunities from that standpoint as well. Scott, you mentioned game script when speaking to the Jefferson prop. And talk to us a bit about game script in the sense of another prop, this being a game prop that we all like the second half to be the highest scoring half. Yeah, I've, uh, I mean, I've played this for a number of years now. And actually, you know, I did very well last year. That was one prop that we actually lost. But um, second half, more points in the first half. Now, you got to. Uh, at, at BetUS, they have also a tie option. Um, so because of that, you can get this bet at minus 125. Um, you can play at other places where you don't lose if you get a tie, but you're going to pay more for it. I'd probably go up to maybe 150, 155 for that. So just read the wording. I think both are absolutely fine. Um, it's kind of nice to be able to just play minus 125, obviously. But uh, 17 of the last 23 Super Bowls now, we've had more points scored in the second half than the first half. Part of that is just because the Super Bowl has started out slower scoring. Uh, you know, I think it was just a few years ago the Patriots finally scored their first uh, either points or touchdown in the first quarter, uh, even after all these Super Bowls they'd played in. Um, so uh, it just starts out typically a lower scoring, and then we, we see more scoring in the second half. Uh, so that's just one that I'll just play consistently every single year as long as the numbers are somewhat favorable. And I think at minus 150, minus 155, if the tie counts, or minus 125 uh, if the tie doesn't count are fine and and and, and a decent proposition bet um, to play in this game. You know, it reminds me you do you get some wacky things that happen in these games where you know looking back at the Patriots Carolina game, uh, they didn't score in the first quarter, they didn't score in the third quarter, but they scored over 60 points in the game. 
So very unusual things happen. And I wish I had the numbers, but it's an obscene amount of games that have not reached double digits in the first quarter for Super Bowls. I forget what the numbers are, but it's like, wow, you got to be kidding. So, you know, I think I think teams play conservatively and, um, you know, they don't want to make a mistake right off the bat. And, um, you know, next thing you know, I mean, you could you could literally get two drives in, in the first quarter for teams somewhat successful, but playing somewhat conservative. They punt the ball. And uh, and we already know Cincinnati, you know, I know, Matt, you said they may come out aggressive, which very well might be true. But we know they're kind of a slow play offense anyway, um, which would just add to that. Now, if they're behind second half, some of that gets thrown out the window and they've got to go a little bit quicker. Rams can obviously go up tempo and and also eat a lot of clock running the ball as well. And and again, if you can run the ball in Cincinnati, which you can, um, it just might eat some clock up uh, there as well, especially early on. You know, the Rams were just in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So a lot of the players have already, uh, you know, experienced this uh, situation. If I was McVay and I had the ball, I, I'm going Stafford 45, 55-yard pass, play one. You know, I, I would try to light up Cincinnati right out of the gate, put the pressure on. And uh, I, I think the last thing that they're, they're going to do is be conservative, quite frankly. You know, just speaking to that, too, being a Lion fan that you are, uh, Chris, it was just a few years ago, I think the Lions went into Green Bay on a Monday night and, uh, and just shocked him with some play-action passes early on. And Stafford hit some nice pass plays down yep. down the sideline. Detroit grabbed the lead. Ultimately, they lost at the end of that game. But, um, you know, I can see that. Play action. Stafford can obviously hit people downfield. I would not be surprised at that at all either. Especially if Stafford can be incredulous once again with that pinpoint accuracy that we've seen throughout these playoffs for the most part. Uh, Scott, as you were breaking down that last prop, it reminded me you're talking about the Bengals maybe shortening the game with a slower tempo on offense. Uh, one more prop that I've already bet that that same concept could be favorable toward would be penalties under. And I did some research on this and found that the Rams were the second least penalized team in the league this season, less than four and a half penalties per game. And the Bengals, right on their heels, tied for third fewest penalized uh, penalties this season, four and a half per game. Combining these two teams, on average in the regular season, less than nine penalties per game. And for context, the league average for a team is more than six in a game. So cumulatively, we're looking at a delta of you know less than nine penalties for the Rams and Bengals, more than 12 penalties in the average NFL contest. And taking it over the top for me, Ronald Torbert being the head referee, his crew during the regular season called the second fewest penalties of any crew in the league. They averaged just 10 flags per game. And in the Super Bowl, I think we're more likely to see officials maybe swallow the whistle, especially after last year when the refs seemed too involved, particularly throughout that first half when the game was so competitive. I think the league wants as much as possible for the players to determine the outcome. And for this prop, it does tend to get steamed toward the under every year. Uh, at this point, I'm seeing nine and a half under at even money at BetUS. I still make that good. I would call that my price floor for this one. So penalties under nine and a half, even money at BetUS would also be a go for me. Chris, I wanted to get your thoughts on this one because I believe last year you actually went the other way, perhaps after fading quite a bit of steam that came on the under early in this prop market being in existence. Yeah, that was fun. My buddy Ron turned me on to that one where uh, he pointed out, hey, the, the, these refs are the you know top penalty make, you know callers around and and that was a half of, I think it was a half a flag away from covering uh, by halftime. I mean, it was just penalty, penalty, penalty. And it was just like, yeah. And, then, <laughs> and, and, and like you said, everybody was on the under. So, you know, the, the, the steam is, and this was entirely, I was shocked at how logical it was and how easily it won. So just because you've got heavy steam in one direction, it doesn't mean it's the right way. Yeah. yeah. Any thought to this being different, Chris, with this officiating crew and these two teams generally being pretty clean? Yeah, there's no, yeah, there, it, there's, it's not going to be going over, I don't think. I, I think you're looking, uh, you know, under or nothing. Scott, go I ahead. Think, I think the other thing, you know, you talk about the all-star crews too. So, you know, when you, when you look mm -hmm. at a referee's uh, tendencies throughout the season, I've always kind of felt when you get the playoffs a little bit harder, unless that referee is just mandating to his new all-star crew we're going to do this this and this but I have, I have a buddy who follows uh referees incredibly close 
uh, and he he had pointed out because there is a roughing the passer uh, prop as well, mm-hmm. and he had he pointed out that Torbert uh, has called eleven roughing the passer penalties in eighteen games officiated officiated this year, and that is the one prop that that specific referee is basically going to be calling most of the time. So he even though he might have completely different referees on his team, he's kind of controlling the fate of that a little bit. Now I think when I looked it up, both these teams don't have much of a history of roughing the passer. Um, so they may not even put, put themselves in a position to have that called. But Torbert does seem to protect the quarterback a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see what, what comes from that as well. Yeah, I like that point. Usually there's a pretty strong correlation between looking penalties under and no on roughing the passer being called. This year, I saw that same thing on Torbert. He seemed to be you know, a little protective of the quarterback. And at BetUS, I'm seeing a flat minus 115 either way on will roughing the passer be called. I'm going to stay away. I would still lean toward it not being called in this matchup on this stage, but I see more value in the overall number of penalties coming in under nine and a half. Yeah, agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, my, my buddy had pointed out that uh, I think that number, I'm just looking at it here uh, on the no was minus 175. So if you, and I don't know where he got that from, but uh, if you like the no, then that's a pretty good price at, at BetUS right now. Yeah, good point. I think a lot of the market is looking the other way. Um, I don't know. Maybe Tim and the risk management team are, are more aware of Torbert's tendencies. So uh, we can look toward no roughing or penalties to come in under. Maybe a combination of the two, but I think I'm going to put all my eggs in the basket of seeing fewer than nine and a half accepted penalties in this one. Scott, there's another game prop I wanted to touch on with you. I think you briefly brought it up last week. The team that scores last to win the game. I think that's an annual staple of yours, if I'm understanding correctly. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that, since we might see some more value on that prop. You got to lay some VIG, which usually means come Saturday or Sunday, the price might be the best to get in play. Yeah, so uh, team that scores last wins the game. Uh, I, I did play it earlier, actually, at minus 230. So to your point, Matt, uh, I was looking back last year. I think I played minus 200. Kind of back, I think we, I don't know if we talked about it this show or last show, but, you know, keep a reference of the uh, props from year to year. So when they open up, you get a sense of where they're at. And this one, obviously, uh, sounds like it opened up a little bit higher. But this is now covered 11 of the last 12 Super Bowls, uh, the team that wins last. Uh, now, in some ways, we got lucky last year because Tampa Bay was way up. So, um, you know, by every right, Kansas City could have got a, a no-brainer score at the end. That meant nothing and, and ruined that prop. But they weren't able to do anything, of course. And so Tampa Bay ultimately ended up with the last score and, of course, won the game. This year, uh, you know, I, although I said this last year, I mean, this does figure to be a close game again. Um, so uh, if it is a close game, uh, as both these teams have played a lot this year, then it, it almost – guarantees us that winner especially if it's extremely close but uh nonetheless this thing just has had a tendency over the last 12 years to come in all but one year so uh it's a no-brainer i'll I'll play it and uh, i still think there's some value at the minus 230 and um so i'm playing it and um and hopefully it'll come in and again if this game is extremely close it is probably going to come true as well I like that breakdown. I'm not seeing that prop at the moment at BetUS, but they have been adding constantly over the last week and change a huge prop menu. We may well see this one pretty soon. So keep your eyes peeled for the team that scores last to win the game. Uh, Good in spots. Scott's book up to minus 230. One more prop I wanted to throw your guys' way that I am seeing at BetUS right now. The Rams to call the first time out. And I feel like we might just be getting some value here because Sean McVay, just for whatever reason, seems to be really late getting in his plays. Even once they were out of timeouts in the second half in the NFC title game with so much at stake, it seemed like the play clock was sitting at double zero for a little while before the snap came off time after time. I don't think they got flagged for delay of game, but things were just coming in really late. Uh, If that's happening early in this one, they might need to burn a timeout before they're out of them. And also we've seen McVay get pretty liberal with his challenges lately. So I just think if we're seeing this price, like at BetUS, a flat minus 115 for both sides, I'd say minus 120 or better, it's worth a bit of a flyer to me on the Rams to call the first time out. And a fun alternative there, I mentioned McVay being liberal with his challenges. They have the same prop, the team to use the coach's challenge first. Rams also listed at minus 115. I'd also make that good up to minus 120. Any thoughts from you guys on the Rams possibly being more likely than Cincy to use the first time out or coach's challenge in the Super Bowl? I think, you know, there's no doubt McVeigh has been careless with his timeouts, but you also have a, you know, uh, you know, the quarterbacks could be really responsible for those timeouts too. So you can't just mm-hmm. pin it on him. Um, 
but it, it's not something that I, I find any immediate value in, but it's, it's, it's another interesting prop for sure. You know, I, I haven't looked at it enough, Matt, to speak intelligently about it, but was I don't know if it was a championship, conference championship game, but it seemed like, uh, maybe, God, maybe it was even the Tampa Bay game, but uh, McVay also seemed to be kind of using his challenges recklessly as well, mm-hmm. almost like in a, in a desperation mode because they seem like bad challenges. Um, now, I don't know if he's done that consistently. There's nothing that's coming to mind that, but... Um, and, and maybe it was out of desperation. And again, if they're not behind in this game, you know, that maybe doesn't come into play. But he did seem to use challenges where, you know, it's, it just seemed pretty clear that he was not going to win them. So uh, there might be something to that as well. And I don't just kind of thinking um, for Cincinnati, I don't really recall them using challenges in a bad way. Now, again, you can use it in the right way and, and be the first one to use it, of course. But mm-hmm. um, I would, you know, in, in a game that's so important, you think, they would hold on to their challenges as long as as long as they can. So whoever is more inclined to use them more recklessly, uh, if that is true for McVeigh, uh, would also probably give a nod up for for that happening first too. Yeah, I like that point. While I'm in play on this, I mean, it could hit less than sixty percent of the time and still be worth making at this price. By no means is it a lock. So I think it's it's fun, and I do see some value there, but uh, no surprise uh, if it doesn't hit. So no need to just empty the tank on a prop like this, first time out or first challenge to be used in the game. At hey, this Matt, point, go ahead, Scott. Just just one other thing. I know we had that question about a, uh, a coin toss, but not a coin mm-hmm. toss, right, uh, of a bet. I was just looking through the bet U.S. options. Um, I want to see if I can find it real. Oh, yeah. Last play of the game to be a quarterback kneel down, so the no – uh, is plus 170. Uh, I have no opinion if it will be or not, and obviously there's probably a great likelihood of someone's. I was thinking it was a yes for some reason, but uh, nonetheless, it is a no. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a proposition. You could almost use that to hedge a bet that you have potentially as well, um, just if, if you're betting on a certain team, possibly, I guess. Um, I'm just reading it again. I, I was thinking it was actually... Uh, the other way around for some reason, which I think you'd be able to use maybe to your advantage a little bit more. Maybe not now. That I think Wouldn't that be a bad beat if uh, the, the quarterback, it was the final play of the game, and he just ran it back into the end zone for a safety? Oh, hey, Chris, uh, that's a nightmare waiting to happen. Don't even go there. <laughs> hey, let, let, me, let me take you back to 2012, San Francisco and Baltimore, and I believe I took Baltimore to have over four rushers. So it, was, it wasn't even a half number. And uh, late in the game, it was at four, so I thought I'd pushed a bet. I woke up the next morning, just took one final look at the stats, and uh, the punter had wa- had ran out of the end zone, you know, probably the second to the last play of the game or something, mm-hmm. which then counted as a rusher. So, you know, all those little things matter in a game when you got a lot of prop bets going on. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, I thought you were hearkening back to Super Bowl 54 when the Chiefs were running out the clock. First three plays on the final series of downs, Mahomes lost, I think, 15 yards to just torpedo everybody who had taken his rushing yards over if they didn't get down at a good price early. And then the final play of the game, after those three kneel downs, he threw the ball away out of bounds just to buy a few extra seconds of the ball being in the air to ensure that that ended the game. Uh, So, yeah, no sure thing. But, yeah, Scott, if we were seeing that last play of the game to be a kneel down, uh, yes, at plus 170, I would hope that we have a good enough relationship now that you would alert me to that before telling a broader (laughs) audience so that we could make sure that we were good amongst ourselves in the first place. Yeah, no, my my bad. I was reading that wrong. I was thinking there's maybe a not completely correlated opportunity there, but there isn't. Yeah, well, nevertheless, we have, I think, uncovered some good opportunities here, and uh, we don't have a full-screen graphic prepared, but just for people watching this, trying to keep track of all the bets we've discussed, we can try to organize it here in one neat little package before we wrap things up. And Chris, let's start with you. I've got you down for Cincy plus four, but no need to bet yet. Wait for plus four and a half to come back. Worst case, you can take the four points with the Bengals. Also aligned with Scott and myself on the second half to be the highest scoring half, good at BetUS's price of minus 125. Any other bets that are in your Super Bowl portfolio that I'm missing? Um, I'm, I'm, looking at a, I'm looking at a few other ones. I kind of uh, am thinking about Burrow, uh, uh, the over uh, longest pass. Uh, I think the, the, the Los Angeles, uh, you know, other than Ramsey, that, that secondary is not very good. They, they were either the worst or second worst 
with uh, yards allowed after catch, and I believe that they're in the bottom five or six or seven uh, for uh, yards per pass allowed. Uh, so I, I think it's a good, pretty good shot. Burrow gets you know at least one decent sized play. Uh, I think that that totals around 23, isn't it? Well, first off, how dare you? Eric Weddle has come out of retirement to play for the Rams, and he was a great charger. So I take personal offense to what you said about the Rams' secondary outside of Ramsey. Um, on a more serious note, at BetUS, I, I'm searching. I can keep digging a little bit, but I'm seeing both Burrow and Stafford lined at 38 and a half for their longest pass. Um, maybe a proxy to get in play for that would be to simply play Burrow yes or Stafford, or I guess Burrow over or Stafford to the under to kind of get in play on the same angle. Uh, yeah, I'm confusing numbers. I, they, they got so many numbers swimming. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of like uh, um, uh, maybe Mixon uh, under in his rushing yard prop. Uh, he, he doesn't traditionally break him out. Uh, he's kind of a, more of a grinder, a power guy. So uh, that might be something I might be looking at also. And, and again, I mentioned that Van Jefferson long, uh, you know, that might be worth a shot. Yeah, I'm looking for a mix in rushing yards. 63 and a half. Um, that's even higher than it was in the AFC title nope. game when he longest came under. Longest run. Longest run. Should be around uh, mm. 14 and a half. Let me see if I can find a quick mix in longest rush. Yeah, 13 and a half uh, at BetUS. So um, if you've already played that elsewhere, maybe somebody's getting on to you. These, these one-yard margins doesn't seem like a big difference, but when we're talking about 14 and a half to 13 and a half, that matters more than, say, a quarterback throwing for – 276 and a half versus 267 and a half or you know yeah. a one yard difference when when we're in the triple digits exactly we talked about it last week uh, a half of anything is worth a hell of a lot down in these lower numbers so be be wary yes indeed well we'll get to scott's portfolio in a moment i'll run through mine pretty briefly um opening kickoff not to be a touchback where you can find plus money on that prop the Rams, another fun one to call the first time out, good at minus 115 or better, under nine and a half penalties for even money currently available at BetUS, as well as the second half to be the highest scoring half, minus 125. And I'll round it out with a player prop, Van Jefferson, under two and a half receptions, good at minus 135, currently available again at BetUS. Scott, I've got you down for the Bengals plus four. We'll make it unanimous. Second half to be the highest scoring half, minus 125. The team to score last to win the game, minus 230. Uh, anything else in your portfolio that you'd care to speak to? Yeah, I'll, I'm going to throw two more out there and then ask you get an opinion from you guys on one other one. I was just trying to find something here uh, from last year as well. So, yeah, the two other ones I played, Matt, are uh, Cooper Cup over 8.5 receptions. I played it at plus 105. It's now, I think, at minus 105. I still think there's value there. It's a lot of receptions, but... Um, you know, I played him in the uh, NFC Championship game over his total as well. Uh, I just think there's a lot of value there. And then the other one that I played here is, you know, I mentioned last week, I started looking at these teams, kind of grouping um, um, uh, their their offense and defense of rushing and passing uh, and, and versus the competition they faced. And, and basically said, you know, they're either playing the upper echelon, the middle echelon, or the lower echelon uh, of, of teams in each of those categories. And when I do all that, first thing I realize is uh, a lot of, and this was just team passing yards, so not necessarily account for sacks and whatnot, but um, a lot of what Burrow accomplished, accomplished this year, he has a dramatically uh, a lot more passing yards per game versus that lower echelon, which would make sense. Um, but he was just okay against the other two um, uh, tiers. So, and, and when I, anyway, when I, it's a very simplistic way to look at it, but when I looked everything up and 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 try to calculate the average rushing yards uh, and passing yards for each team, I'm getting total yards of closer to about 700 yards in this game. And I think the total uh, over under prop is I've seen anywhere from 755 to 765. Um, I think playing under in that uh, potentially has some value, uh, especially if Cincinnati's going to slow play this game a little bit like they have this year. If the Rams are able to run the ball a little bit, eat some clock. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going to factor into that if it happens or not, of course. But that's one I played under. And then the one I want to get your guys' opinion on is last year I played, uh, I was just looking it up here, uh, Ronald Jones over eight and a half rushing attempts. And he had averaged 13.4 all season, including 11 and a half his last three games. 
when he wasn't a starter because he kind of went to Leonard Fournette. And I was asking someone about that, and he said, well, you know, Leonard Fournette is um, is their guy now. Uh, but Jones had been productive, so I felt that he was going to get enough attempts, and sure enough, he got plenty of attempts and, and went over that pretty easily. So the one I'm looking at this time is Sony Michelle over five and a half. Now, I know he just had a game a couple games ago against Tampa where I think he got one attempt and they gave it all to Cam Akers. But Sony Michelle has um, Super Bowl experience. He has been, I think, fairly productive for him this year. He got 10 attempts in the NFC Championship game. Um, I, I may play that over. I, I don't know if you guys have any opinion or have looked at that or not. Or do you think Cam Akers is just going to steal all of those rushing attempts? My initial thought when you talk about the Bucks last year, and it could pertain to the Rams this year, uh, Leonard Fournette really did seem like a workhorse down the stretch. I know the playoff Lenny moniker really gained some traction as the Bucks made their Super Bowl run. And once they were up by so much, I'd have to go and rewatch that game, but I wonder if they just started feeding Ronald Jones when they already had a pretty comfortable lead and were more in clock-killing mode. I don't Maybe think not. they did. I think they mixed him in. If I, I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly. but Okay. My, my thought was if the Rams were in a similar spot, that might correlate pretty well to thinking the Rams would win by margin, which could contradict your Bengals plus four play. Yes. Uh, but people can have their own take on trying to align their prop portfolio with the game handicap they foresee or just trying to think, hey, which one of us individually really has a clue compared to such an efficient marketplace as to how the game's going to go. So just play props almost independently and feel free to diversify. So that could just depend on what kind of alignment you want your props to have with your game script that you foresee. Um, I feel like Akers is probably the guy if he's healthy. I, I don't know that Michelle's going to get a lot of workload if Akers can stay in one piece. Uh, that said, I'm not so confident in Akers' you know, Achilles and now a shoulder injury. Um, being able to stay in one piece for a huge workload. So probably no play for me. I can make a case both ways. Um, I'm going to see now if Chris has any thoughts on it. Uh, you got to be careful with Sony Michelle. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those, uh, a di I think it's dicey. And, uh... Yeah, and I think and you're right, Chris, and you got to be, you know, there's uh, one of the websites I use, it'll clearly define if they started or not, and that's, that's important because he got a number of carries, obviously, when he was starting. He's not going to start here, so you can't just take his average overall attempts because that's going to mix in a lot of games that he started. So you got to be careful from that standpoint. I just kind of thought he's he's been pretty productive. He, they did give him 10 carries last game, uh, so maybe perhaps he's going to get it. It seems like a somewhat low number, but I don't know. Well, I'll take a look at it a little bit more, and, uh, and, and we'll see. All right, so the final bet will mark down Scott taking Sony Michelle for Super Bowl MVP at <laughs> even odds. Um, Done. <laughs> on a more serious note, guys, this has been such a blast doing this with you for the Super Bowl really all season long. Um, I want to make sure to thank everybody who is joining us for uh, the show on YouTube. If you found any value in this conversation, and if you're still watching now, odds are pretty high that you have found value please go ahead, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and we can keep this conversation going in the comments section below this video leading up to the game. Also want to make sure as we wrap things up for the season uh, to let everybody know where they can find you guys. Chris on Twitter, at Las Vegas Chris, that's C-R-I-S. And there's a really good YouTube channel linked to from that Twitter profile as well. So check Chris out there. You can find Scott on Twitter at Sixth Sense NFL and myself at mlandis18. Guys, one final uh, time I'll toss it to each of you. I'd like to zoom out at this stage. We've done all we can for the Super Bowl, the side, total, money line, and props, but just give some final thoughts on the season. Chris, let's start with you, and I will just make a note that we're on 49 shows by my count, and this is your 49th different shirt. I think you might have saved the best for last. So on that note, give us some final thoughts on the 2021 season doing the show together. It's my Jimmy Buffett shirt, so it says it's the loudest shirt I have. But I, I, I would just like to personally thank uh, everybody involved with BetUS. It's, it's really shocking because, you know, I'm a complainer and I find fault in everything. And uh, everybody at BetUS, uh, you know, has been just really a pleasure to work with and very professional. And uh, it's been a real pleasure working with everybody. And uh, it's been great meeting. Uh, we didn't even know each other uh, before this show started, and uh, I, I can't even figure out a way to gripe about either one of you either. So it's it's <laughs> remarkable. So I, I've really valued meeting you guys and uh, creating friendships out of this, and uh, it's been a, a really interesting experience for me. And I, I hope that uh, while my uh, 
still was profitable on the show. I had a lot of bad pushes and uh, uh, it was an off year. And uh, uh, I hope at least uh, I was able to share a lot of uh, knowledge that people can take with them uh, going forward. That's the biggest thing I would underscore is that picks aside and, and you and Scott have a proven record and even the record for this show that we displayed over the course of the season. You guys both came out in a good spot. Um, but aside from those picks, the process, the insights that you shared made me such a better better. And I would say even better than that, the relationships with you two. I mean, it's mutual, Chris, getting to know you guys um, and and do this and connect outside of the show the ways that we have um, has just been such a blast all season long. And I will also echo your thank you to the entire crew at BetUS for making this possible a lot more than just the three of us. Um, I think I've got everybody's name here. Um, I hope this covers all of our bases. Natalie, Tim, Ale, Daniela, Francisco, Ignacio, Fabian, Maka, Cleve TA filling in a few times when Scott was out of town. And of course, Scott and Chris, uh, the two of you guys have just been, you know, a dream to work with. I would say just like the Rams and Bengals getting to the Super Bowl, it has been a team effort making this show happen throughout the course of the season. And guys, I will be in Vegas before too long. I want to say right now, put it on the record, Jim Beam for Chris, Johnny Walker Black for Scott, going to be on me. And Scott, until we can make that happen pretty soon, also want to hand it over to you for any final thoughts on this season. Yeah, no, I, thanks, Matt. And I echo everything you two said. Uh, you guys have been a dream to work with, and it's it was pretty interesting not knowing really each other very well early on and, and getting to know each other. That, that's that been great, and learning from you guys. And, Matt, I don't know if you mentioned it, but you've got a great podcast, Props and Hops, and uh, oh, you, get a little, you. you get a little drinking done, you get a little handicapping done. I think you're going to have Fezzik on this week. That's always an entertainment, entertaining listen as well. So uh, that's been a great show that you've uh, allowed me to be on a couple times. So I appreciate that. And and most definitely, everyone at BetUS, uh, they've, they've been tremendous. And I've had friends now who've, who, you know, somewhere throughout the year, I think uh, I forget which account it was, uh, but the account was down on a weekend, right? And he's like, oh, I'm going to go to BetUS and I'll sign up at BetUS, right? And he's been very happy with the account as well. So um, you know, good to see some people be able to take advantage of uh, BetUS, and 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 they have been fantastic for us at all as well. And um, hopefully, like Chris said, um, it's all about the process, and uh, more important than the picks. And uh, even though the picks came out ahead, um, the process is most important. And hopefully, we were able to carry on a little bit of that for everyone as well. Absolutely. Well said. Well, I think somebody might have just gotten a phone call. That's our cue to get on out of here. And whether you've been with us all season long or you're joining us for the first time for our Super Bowl show, once again, thank you for tuning in. And from all of us here at BetUS, best of luck with your bets on Super Bowl 56.